Welcome to Human Becoming Podcast. I'm your host, Anna Lillianwall. On this podcast, I invite you to have the uncomfortable conversations with me, to stand in your power and explore the depths of your truth, no matter how difficult or taboo it may be. I'm showing up exactly as I am, and I'm empowering you to do the same. Let's dive in. Welcome back to another episode of Human Becoming. Today I have a friend and a client of mine, Emily Manico. Right? Did I say it right? <laughs> Manico. <laughs> we just had a whole conversation about how to pronounce your name and I still butchered it. I'm so sorry. From, from one really difficult last name to another, I'm sorry. <laughs> You're fine. <laughs> Oh my gosh, that was amazing. Some friend jam, right? <laughs> yeah. It's okay. Yeah, no, I, I just like, I think because of my like last name difficulties, like throughout my whole life, if I don't know how, if I don't know how to pronounce somebody's name, I just avoid it. Like my brain just blacks it out. Yeah. You're like, <laughs> yeah, I butchered it. So Emily is here with us today and she is going to talk about her journey through mental health. And it's a really amazing story. And I felt like y'all needed to hear it. So I'm going to let Emily jump in and introduce herself and then tell you guys a bit about her story and how she got to where she is today. And, um, and then probably talk a little bit about the things that we've been working on together. Um, and how, yeah, like how her, how she's using her story to now help other people. Thank you, Anna. Um, so hi everybody. My name is Emily Manico. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, I guess my, Treatment recovery kind of began about five years ago. Um, I was 18. Um, I was diagnosed with OCD officially, though, when I was 16 years old. Um, And I received treatment at the um, OCD Center of Los Angeles. And um, I have had an amazing therapist, Laura, shout out to Laura, um, who I had for about who I've had for about seven, eight years now. Um, And so I did therapy with her through Skype for a while, but my severe OCD got really bad. So I received treatment um, when I was 18 at the Houston OCD program Um, and it was residential. And I, I was the first time really me being away from family everything I know and, and to go receive treatment, I had to leave school, um, to really dive in and deal with my struggles. Um, I really dealt severely with, um, intrusive thoughts, sexually intrusive thoughts, um, very painful, um, about family members, um, just all of that. And, uh, it was just so, um, there was so much shame and, um, from that and, you know, with intrusive thoughts, I thought, you know, that was who I was. I didn't think I was even a person anymore. I just thought I was crazy and I needed to be sent away. And, um, but I was in residential treatment for about two, 
two, three months. And I, you know, the first two weeks were tough, but I flourished and I um, did a lot of exposure response um, prevention um, therapy. That's a huge golden tool, like, you know, Anna, for um, OCD. And so um, basically what that is, it's just attacking, you know, what you fear, you know, straight in the face every day. And you can apply that really to life in general, but that's for OCD specifically, um, is facing things that you're afraid of. Um, so I did, um, completed treatment and I ended up, it was in Houston, Texas. So I ended up living here for a year, um, finished treatment and it was doing really well when I moved home and was doing well and then kind of hit a rough patch again. And um, I ended up moving back to Houston this last, um, on 2019 in October. And um, I realized I needed um, some more help again with my OCD. Um, And I went into treatment again. It wasn't an easy choice, especially to leave family again and to embark on another um, journey again, but, um, it's the second time around it's, I think I've learned so much the second time around than when I went in the first, um, I just think I really dug deep, um, not just OCD wise, but like really learning how to be my own safe place within myself, um, and not rely on, other people, I guess, to make me, um, feel safe or feel better. I needed to learn how to be okay with being by myself and realize that I can deal with heavy emotions and get through them. And, um, and I guess through this whole, you know, pandemic and everything that's taught me that. And so I was in treatment, um, for about, um, three months and I finished in February um, of this year and I did um, so many so many things I had to push myself on um, especially with um, because the I dealt so badly with um, sexually intrusive thoughts so those are ones I really had to tackle and um, I think with those with OCD um, there is that extra layer of, like we've talked about, that shame factor and that extra stigma. So you feel even more, for me, I felt even more alone. Um, and I thought there was something wrong with me. And so it caused, you know, so much pain and suicidal thoughts and not wanting to be here anymore. And um, it just got to be a really dark um, period in my life, but I had to just, um, again, the support of, um, the staff at the Houston OCD program. It's now the McLean OCD Institute of Houston, but, um, they literally saved my life. Like I did not think, um, living with OCD and me could be in the same sentence. Like, I just did not think it was possible for me. And so, um, I mean, it really has all come full circle. Um, 
And there's so much, yeah, I want to say, but I think um, because it's so hard to like put it in a nutshell because so much has happened. But, um, you know, I continue to fight for myself every day. um, And, you know, it's not easy, but it's something that I work on and I have an amazing support system and um, especially people in the OCD community that I've kind of started to um, meet and, and um, connect with. And that's been super, super um, amazing. And um, it just definitely um, has been definitely a whirlwind of the last six months, just so much has happened. And um, I really had to learn to just um, be okay with being Emily. I think for a long time, I didn't like who I was because I was identifying so much of myself to my um, mental health struggles. I did not see Emily. And a huge part of my therapy was reading uh like I am statements out loud (laughs) and um and I would remember I would just be saying that reading them out loud just bawling my eyes out because it but it was something that I needed to do and um how it's just so important self-compassion is so important I think especially in anybody's recovery doesn't have to just be you know, mine, I think for everybody, self-compassion is definitely practice. It's hard and it's not something that um, you get in a day, but um, it's something I'm continuing to work on and help me with. And um, it's definitely been super helpful. Um, But I think, yeah, just realizing that my struggles aren't my identity and that's been a big, um, component to my treatment and really finding my voice and using it and that's kind of why I pushed myself to do this with you today um is using my voice and um speaking up for myself and letting myself be heard because I think for such a long time I let myself kind of fade into the background and um kind of be on the sidelines for a really large part of my life and um you know, growing up, I had always dealt with anxiety and um, anxiety and depression. And um, I remember when I was little, my mom would leave the house and I'd be bawling my eyes out because I think she'd be getting in a car accident. She would die. So it's like now those little glimpses are coming up is like um, after I you know, completed all of this treatment, just little um little like memories pop up and like that makes sense so it's like it's like connecting the dots a little bit um and I am realizing that um I think just a huge part of this and what I've worked on with you is that I can have heavy emotions and I can still be excited about things I can have experience both I can be scared and excited and I was, that's what I kind of tried to approach doing this podcast with you is I was terrified <laughs> that I was excited. Um, and that's something I've really been working on and diving into things and learning more things about myself that I enjoy. Um, because I think my OCD anxiety took up so, so much time and that 
I didn't kind of know what I liked. And I kind of, looking back, I engaged in behaviors that wasn't healthy for me, um, self-harm. And because I think I was just in so much deep pain that in my mind back then, I just thought the instant way to get immediate release and gratification was taking out on myself. And looking back on that now, obviously that's not the way to um, get through heavy emotions or anything like that. It's, um, and it's a very slippery slope. And so definitely now, um, now trying new things and taking a writing class and that's what I'm doing now and doing more writing. Um, writing has definitely helped me during my um, struggles, especially in treatment. Writing is just a release and a deep healing for me, I think, and just the processing emotions and getting it out on paper. Um, but yeah, it's been um, a long 23 years, but it's something that um, I'm very thankful for and appreciative. And um, I think when you go through really deep struggles like that, you have a different appreciation for just everyday life and everyday things that maybe sometimes people just don't think about. But I think obviously now everybody is being kind of forced to do that um, with everything that's going on in our world right now. But um, that's kind of everything in a nutshell. I've kind of gone like, <laughs> I've gone like multiple ways, but it all made uh, sense. It, it, I it, hope it made sense. Yeah, it was all perfect <laughs> and fluid. Yeah. Um, I wanted to piggyback on like two things that you said. Number one is like, I so relate to actually, yeah, a few more than two, but um, the the deep shame that comes with mental illness in general and mental health mm -hmm. in general. Um, and then if we like kind of hone into OCD specifically, cause we're both part of that community. And I talk a lot about my story around OCD and, and I think that like, you know, what we're saying applies like to, to anybody who's gone through deep struggles with anxiety, depression, it doesn't have to be OCD specific, but, but when it comes to the OCD community, I think that there's a lot of hesit um, hesitation with talking about certain types of, um, certain themes, certain subtypes, right? And, and because people don't, we're, the people in the mental health community and outside of the mental health community are still really learning about what OCD is, what it actually mm -hmm. looks like, right? It's not just hand washing. It's not just organizing. It's not just symmetry. There are subtypes like what we have intrusive thoughts and, um, and, you know, you mentioned having sexual intrusive thoughts, mine were harm mm -hmm. thoughts. So, you know, I used to have thoughts of like, what if I snap and go crazy? What if I hurt somebody? What if I am driving and I just drive my car off a bridge and all of those things, you know, when people hear that, the, that we're having those kinds of thoughts, our fear, and sometimes the reality is that people will think, oh, well, if you're having those thoughts, then then that means that you want to act on those thoughts. Right. And that's always the fear of the judgment and the, and the stigma around the things. But with OCD specifically, it's I'm having these taboo thoughts, which everybody has intrusive thoughts, mental health issues or not. Everybody has weird thoughts that cross their minds. Right. So, it's not the nature of the thoughts that are the problem. It's the fact that we get stuck on them and we obsess mm -hmm. on them. And then we, yeah. 
we create compulsive behaviors to then to then cope with the anxiety. So that's really the problem, right? But totally. um, but you know, my I used to have the same fear of like, you know, what if I open up and what if I share these things? And I had so much um, fear. And I really believed that my thoughts meant something about me as a person. I really thought that, you know, because this was before having a diagnosis, I, I really thought, well, you know, if I'm having these thoughts, then this must mean I'm crazy. This must mean that I'm violent. Like I've been a vegetarian since I was 12, like literally like can't eat animals, like, you know, just all of my, all of my, uh, <laughs> free everything. Right. Because that's how nonviolent of a person I am. And that's not to like reassure myself or anybody. That's just right. so that the, that the nature of our thoughts are usually very, um, like they, they contradict who we are as a human. And when we have certain thoughts that come into our minds that contradict with our morals and our character and our hearts and our souls, when it creates uh, like a friction, right? Like it creates this like um, this internal war almost of like, totally. and instead of like you know with ERP, like you were mentioning, it's exposing ourselves to fears, right? So it's it's accepting. Wow, I have these thoughts, and you know maybe I'll act on these thoughts, maybe I won't, but I'm not gonna like do anything to like. I'm not gonna do all these compulsive behaviors, these maladaptive, unhealthy behaviors. Yeah. Um, and what we end up finding when we let go of all the fear and the control around those thoughts is that we're like, oh, wait, these are just thoughts. And, and then you come back to finding who you are because fear disconnects us from, from who we are, right? Yeah. When we get obsessed, um, obsessed and, um, you know, we create all of those back, um, those behaviors. But, and then another thing you said too, was like, you know, you completely lost yourself. Like I, when I share my story, a lot of times I'll say, I can't even, I, I didn't even know if I liked the color purple or what my favorite foods mm-hmm. were. Like I just was an empty shell of a human because I was so lost in myself. I was so lost in my disorder. I was so lost in fear. I went outward for everything for advice. I, you know, I, I needed constant reassurance. I needed other people to make me safe. I couldn't, I, yeah have it in me to make myself feel safe. I didn't trust myself. Um, my OCD would also attack, like, you know, my, my OCD got so broad that like, you know, there were certain foods that I couldn't eat. Like, so it just, it took away, stripped away so much. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I know we've talked a lot about, you know, in our private conversations about like the journey back to the self and how important it is when we really just like, stop going outward and we deal with the the heavy emotions and the discomfort of not knowing and just taking risks of failure or taking the risk of judgments or mm-hmm. um, whatever it may be. And we just say like, okay, well, I'm going to make these decisions or I'm going to like sit with this uncertainty and this discomfort. You end up finding yourself in that. Like, oh, totally. like, your, like your real true self. And that's something that I think mental health community or not, like as a society, we're constantly taught to go outward, mm-hmm. you know, validation, reassurance, you know, we go to like all these experts for everything. Right. And a lot of times the things that we get from those, and I'm putting experts because this, I'm just like, talking yeah. right. Like, mm-hmm. or, you know, going to friends like, Hey, you know, 
Sally, what do you think about this situation? What do you think I should do? Do you mm-hmm. think that this shirt is cute? Do you think I should wear this? Do you think I look cute in it? Like, you know, and it's like everything. It's like, what do you think? What do you think? What do you think? And it and it's so common for us to forget to ask ourselves, well, what do I think? What do mm-hmm. I think? Right. And, and, and I think that fear, especially like, like fear in like a, an extreme sense, like OCD and, and just anxiety disorders in general. Um, and just with everything that's going on right now, the the hysteria, like we're looking for all the answers outside of ourselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And everybody is. Yeah. Yeah. And it keeps us in that, that cycle. And, and this is something too, I know that we've talked about. I, I think that for a lot of us who have been through similar journeys, there's a lot of us that are looking at, um, you know, looking at the situation that's happening in our world right now, feeling a little bit more grounded, a little bit more comfortable in the, like we're finding comfort in the discomfort right now, because when you when you dive deep into the, the, what I call like shadow work, right? Like when you dive deep into like, okay, I'm going to sit with these emotions and I'm going to allow the process to just unfold. You, you, you gain tools from that. And these tool, those tools right now are so helpful in what we're currently facing in our world. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I remember on Friday when we were talking how with your clients as well and my, and with, me and you how we were saying how like all of our tools that we've learned has like really benefited us during this 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 time just just all the work that we've done and like everything it's um it's like it's it was something that we didn't know that we needed to do in order for us to do the big things that we'd already been planning before this whole situation happened so it's like um yeah, it's like this was the work that needed to happen maybe before, or you know, we do those big things. So I think, yeah, it's just super um yeah, it's just a lot of time just to be with ourselves and you know, really take a look like deep and deep and like be like, okay, what's going on with myself? You know, like asking those questions and not being afraid to I think that's the biggest thing is not being afraid to ask ourselves those questions and learn more about ourselves um and so I think that's definitely been that's what's been kind of a big thing for me I guess throughout this whole crazy time is um you know what am I it's just I'm learning things about myself and um I'm surprising myself and I'm and so I think definitely um you learn a lot about yourself through I know I've definitely learned a lot of about myself through everything that I've experienced and, um, and just especially, um, and I'll piggyback off what you said earlier was with ERP. Um, like I remember when I first learned that concept, like (laughs) it was, I was in therapy and I had been experiencing so I kind of forgot to mention this, but I had been dealing with um, 12, 13. It had always been hard for me to make friends, always difficult. And middle school, all throughout school, 
life, it was very difficult for me, social anxiety, all of that, all that fun stuff. And um, I had resorted to talking to people online and it became kind of like what I wanted in my real life. I just wanted love, friends, attention. I made it all on there. And it became years later after all of that, my OCD grabbed onto that, of course. And I mean, it was telling me I was going to go to jail. Um, I couldn't watch the news. I would be waiting outside of my house for police cars to come and get me. Um, I couldn't drive my car. I would be scared. I was, I ran people over and I would go and circle back, um, all of those things. And I remember when I went into my first session and I had talked to my therapist, Laura, she had brought up that concept, you know, well, maybe, maybe you will go to jail, you know, maybe. And I was like, what? Like, what are you talking about? She was like, it's that like 1%, you could have 99% certainty that most likely won't happen. But that 1%, obviously a person with OCD, they're going to hold on to that 1%. And so it's like, when I first learned that, I was like, what are you talking about? I have to basically think that maybe this will happen. Maybe, maybe I have to accept this uncertainty. And so I think it's just realizing just big picture too. I think throughout all of this is just living with uncertainty. That's just everybody's, I don't think we're conscious, maybe not always consciously thinking it, but like, if you really think about it, everything is uncertain right now. It's uncertain with everything going on. So I think it's just trying to find that balance. There's that beauty part of it. And I also understand there's that scary part of that uncertainty, but I know we've talked about it too. There's also that beautiful part of uncertainty and kind of being surprised and excited and um, letting things just kind of unfold and happen. Um, But I just wanted to share that because I just thought, especially now it would be important to you know, realize all those things. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. It's, um, it is important to, and I, I know, like I say this a lot in sessions and then I say this a lot, like in my content, like, and just to myself in the mirror in the morning, right? Like everything is uncertain, like life is uncertain. And, and I think with what's going on right now, there's something that we as a collective are facing, um, in terms of uncertainty and it's like very much in our face like you said like it's very obvious right it's being blasted all over social media it's blasted all over the media it's like you know it's all anybody's talking about and like there are these like legit concerns that we that we have about this right um and that it's interesting because like you said yeah we're not always aware we're not like the light is only, isn't shining on everything else that's uncertain, right? Like it's not, it, we don't think about it every time we get in a car or a lot of us don't think about the uncertainty every time we get on a car or on a, on a boat or on a plane or on a train or, you know, when we get into relationships or when we get a new job or, you know, the fact that like, you know, certain jobs that have job security, I'm putting quotations up, you know, aren't that actually that, uh, um, there's not actually that much certainty around it because, you know, at least in California, it's an outwell state. People can, you can get fired for any, any reason at any time. Right. So like 
there's so much false sense of safety that we create in order to feel safe. And so what I think when we, when we lean into the uncertainty and we're like, yeah, even if it's a, you know, 0.001 chance of a possibility of something happening because probability or because of physics or because of whatever, right? Like even if something's only a little bit, um, uncertain, there's still uncertainty. And when you have fear, you focus on, okay, but like, there is still a little bit of a chance, right? Like, oh my gosh. So like, I'm, you know, you focus on that part, but like right now people really are, like you said, like everything is highlighted right now around the pandemic and nobody realizes that like they're facing uncertainty every single day in all aspects, pandemic or no pandemic, you know? So it's, it's just, it is really interesting to watch people shift when something is brought to like the forefront of their mind rather than, you know, when it's like, wait, but you actually deal with uncertainty all day long. Cause I know a lot of the mental health community or a lot of even like specifically clients, right. There's a lot of what my clients and I have been talking about, or at least like it's been brought up in the last month and a half or so is the fear and the uncertainty around what's going on right now. And part of my like approach to it is like, okay, yeah, like this is scary. And like there, you get to feel your emotions around this, right? Like, I'm not going to tell you, don't be afraid or don't feel those things. Like the, it's totally normal and okay. And like justified to feel those things. And let's also focus on like how many, how much uncertainty you've already faced. So it's not minimizing like what's going on right now. It's just bringing awareness to like, Hey dude, you have the tools, right? Like, because we've, we, everything has been uncertain since the minute we were conceived. Right. Right. Like, like from the minute we were conceived, um, everything has been uncertain. The only thing, and this is dark, but it's like the only thing that is is certain is that at some point we won't be here anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, and I think that like it can, that can be a scary thing for a lot of people. And like, um, you know, it's not the, but it's the, and, and it's also kind of liberating because it's like, Oh wait, you know, it should, it's an invitation for us to release the, the, the false sense of safety or the false sense of control that we try to have in our lives. Mm-hmm. Cause it's all yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. anyways, and that, you know, bringing into OCD, everything, all the compulsions that we did, right. Like whether you're afraid, whether it's around germs, right. And, and you are cleaning or it's around symmetry and feeling that kind of control, or it's, you know, avoidance because of being afraid of acting on intrusive thoughts, or it's praying because you have scrupulosity, which is a type of religious it's, it's OCD around religion, right? Like all of those things, all of those behaviors are just to make us feel safe and to make us feel like we have control, but our compulsions actually don't do anything. No, it just it feels it yeah. even more. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and it kind of, it kind of yeah. makes me think. It kind of makes me think too of like the the need to know. You know, oh, yeah. a lot of people have a lot of a lot of people are like glued to media right now because they feel like they need to know every single update. But knowing every single update doesn't keep you any safer. You know, it doesn't okay. make you safer. You know, if in fact, like it probably just keeps you more 
stuck, I would think. Uh, yeah, stuck in fear, right? Like, mm-hmm. which, you know, by the way, it's not good for your immune system, right? So like, right? <laughs> and being, you know, having adrenaline and, and like that kind of, a sh- uh, that kind of stress isn't good for you mentally, physically. Physically as well. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's not good for you on any level. Yeah. So, you know, it's really understanding how many behaviors, again, OCD or not, like <clears throat> that we get stuck in and that we, um, that we participate in that actually fuels like the very cycle that's keeping us, you know, stuck or miserable or sick, right. Or, um, unhappy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it really is just like, yeah, full circle. And, um, it's definitely, um, yeah, just something that I think it's all just taking it one day at a time right now and um, take it day by day and just think that's what everybody's doing. Yeah. yeah, just kind of trying to, you know, face this and that's, you know, just doing the best you can and not putting so much pressure on ourselves. Because I know, especially in the beginning when this whole thing started, because perfectionism is another layer of OCD. And of course, I have that, which is wonderful. And um, yeah, we'll just add it to the list. <laughs> add another one. <laughs> and um, with perfectionism, it's so, it's just, it's like having just this inner critic, like constantly badgering you, like in your head 24 7. You didn't do this right. You didn't do that right. Just constantly. And I know in the first two weeks, I think when this whole, madness began um I was really and I remember I was talking about it I was really struggling with like that perfectionism like I need to make the most out of this whole thing I need to do this this and that like I need to you know accomplish all these things in quarantine and I know like I had to just like take a step back and like and I think there is kind of that especially during this time is um, just that, 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 um, what's the word that, uh, productivity that like people focus on that so much and identify that as their worth almost. And I could, I was kind of doing that in the same sense. And so, um, it definitely is something that, um sorry my dog came in I got distracted um he it's definitely something that I think I struggled with as well just like that you know identifying so much with um oh my gosh I need to do this this and that and I think yeah definitely during this time it's like it's more just like exploring and like what are things that you like what are things that you don't like maybe trying new things but like really just taking that step back I think has been like super helpful and I think for a lot of people not just myself so um yeah I think it's just definitely um been a crazy time but again we're all doing the best we can so yeah and I think that's the I think that's the thing for all of us is just we we just do the best that we can right Mm -hmm. so for some people if some people there's it's an it's an invitation for them (laughs) to go inward for some people it's um, 
For some people, it's an invitation to spend time with family. For some people, it's, um, you know, nobody, they don't have the luxury of like, you know, having a staycation and just kind of taking a step back and learning a new language, right? Like they lost their job and they've got to feed their families, right? Like, like everybody in the, at this time is going to have a separate experience. Mm -hmm. And I really believe that we're all having the experience that we're meant to have. And that's just coming from, that's just coming from like a a spiritual sense. And it's a totally people don't agree with that. Like I also fully understand that I'm saying that from a place of like, quote unquote, not having it that bad. Right. Like I'm my family, like I'm being impacted directly by, by the virus and everything that's going on. And, um, I also acknowledge that I don't have it as bad as other people and I don't have it as good as other people. Like I'm kind of in this, this gray area. Right. And it's not a comparison thing. It's just like acknowledging both ends. Um, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Like I'm trying to, I'm trying to acknowledge the, the privilege and then I'm trying to acknowledge the, the impact, the, the cult impact. Um, and everybody's going to have their own experience. And, you know, like for me, I I had like posted something recently about, you know, trying to find the light during a dark time. And somebody had like messaged me basically like saying like, oh, well, easy for you to say blah, blah, kind of thing. You're like, you're clearly not impacted by it. And, and I kind of had to take a step back and, and think like, okay, you know, is this, is this privilege right now that I'm like saying this? And I was like, yeah, and no, (laughs) you know, it's like, it's the, it's the, and it's not the, but, um, you know, but like I, I have to be completely isolated from people because I have a compromised immune system with my respiratory yeah. system. Mm-hmm. But like my doctor, I ha- like I'm on strict orders of like, you need to stay away because you're high risk. So it's yeah. like, you know, and so it's like, okay, is that as bad as other people? No. But is it like as, as easy? No. And so my point is, is, is everybody's going to have their own experience at this time. And and it's really important to not turn on each other and to not judge each other and not to compare yourselves to other people. And it's like, some people are going to come out of this, you know, in better physical shape. Some people are going to come out, maybe learning a new language. Some people are going to come out and, you know, maybe their business was set up for something like this to where they make a lot of money. Other people are going to really struggle with money. I have friends that have to move out of their houses and like go live with like family again because of you know, like it's, there's so many different realities that are happening, um, Mm -hmm. at the same time. And so I love that you said like, you know, we're just, we're doing the best that we can this, you know, we didn't all the fire drills that we did. There's no guidebook to this. There was no (laughs) pandemic drill, right? There was no, there was no way to prepare for this. And, um, and that's like, in again, in all aspects, this is bringing up spiritual things for people. This is bringing up like, you know, having to, to, um, face fears of like health and death and family member, you know, so many aspects to this. It's, it's okay. Like I cocoon this weekend. I needed to like check out because I was feeling really, really heavy towards the end of the week, just because of everything. Right. Yeah it's giving ourselves the permission to be human and to be messy and to like, you know, one day, you know, baking cookies, listening to music, watching Harry Potter, like having, (laughs) like having, having a good day and being like, quarantine's not so bad. And then like the next day having a total breakdown because it's scary and it's hard. And I think that so much of our suffering gets and our struggles get 
like perpetuated or and like amplified because we we don't give ourselves permission to feel feel those things yeah and like you know the the duality of like this gets to be scary and this gets to be beneficial this gets to be you know um challenging and this gets to be sad there gets to be grief there gets to be you know relief too like you know sometimes there's relief of like you know we just get to like hang out at home for those of for people that you know kind of get to just chill at home right now and still make money yeah. or whatever you know right. so, anyway I'm I'm blabbering but like I, I I think it's it's important to acknowledge that everybody's going to have their own experiences and the best that we can do is love up on ourselves and have compassion for ourselves through this process and then the same for other people mm-hmm. oh yeah I think just honoring ourselves and other people and their experience through all of this is is what's is what we all just do and um just honoring that this time right now and and however long this is and so I think yeah no I just I agree totally with what you said I think it's just um letting this be an invitation just and and just go for it and so um yeah no I think especially when you said um especially with suffering and just those really heavy emotions, especially um, this is also a time. Cause I know for me with suffering and shame, all those big, heavy emotions, um, it took me a long time to realize how important and vital it is to experience those feelings. Um, because for a long time, I was labeling that. I was labeling those feelings. I was labeling myself. I was labeling my thoughts. I was just judging myself constantly on this just never-ending loop. And um, and I don't know, just at some point, just with everything I've learned, just it just clicked of how you know important it is for us to experience those feelings um, because that's where true vulnerability is and that's where that bravery comes in and that courage comes in and that growth comes and so much um so many valuable things happen during those dark really scary times and I think that's kind of obviously shifted now for me as I experienced all of these painful experiences but I gained so much more out of it than had I not, you know, gotten help. Um, yeah. So I think that's an important thing, I think, for people to realize. Because I don't think, because this is a time where everybody's experienced a lot of things. And I'm sure some are like, oh my gosh, what am I, what do I do with these feelings? Like, obviously they had outlets or ways to go out and use them, but now nobody can go anywhere. So, I mean, it's, it's um it's I'm just kind of tying it into you know like it's just um I think there are I I was a long time my point is I was afraid to experience those feelings and I didn't like it and now I'm kind of through all this learning how to experience these things and how the experiencing experiencing these emotions and feelings has led me to be more um 
confident, I guess, in myself um, and that I can handle more than I think I can. Um, And I think, yeah. Yeah, I think a lot of people, you know, the reason we run, whether it's um, through compulsive behaviors in terms of like OCD or it's addiction or it's staying in relationships or it's via food or it's, you know, traveling, like, you know, it can look any number of ways. Avoidance can look like a number of ways for, for people. And, you know, and of course, like some things are more toxic or unhealthy, I'm putting quotations than, than others, right? Like obviously someone doing like hard drugs, it's different than like, you know, uh, traveling. I don't know. I'm just giving right. an example, right? But at the end of the day, we do those things because we, a lot of it comes from the lack of trust that we have in ourselves to actually be able to see the truth and to, to feel the depth of the emotions that come with that truth. So whether that's, whether that's, um, you know, I have a problem and I, you know, I have like, whether it's a, some kind of addictive personality or, or addictive, um, behavior, right. And that compulsive behaviors like OCD, they are addictions mm-hmm. so, very much. So they work the same way, like brain chemistry wise, it works the same way as an addict, except mm-hmm. just, it's not for us. It's not, a, a, it's not drugs. It's, whatever our compulsive behavior is, right? Um, same way around food, right? Like there's so, it, 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 the inner workings of those things are very, very similar. But at the end of the day, it all comes down to the, the fear and the mistrust that we have around our ability to handle the truth and to be able to work through those things. Mm-hmm. And I know for me, like I, I had a lot of fear around diving deep into what I knew was under the surface for me because I, I didn't believe that I could handle the things. Yeah. I, really thought, I was like, what if they break me? What if there's things that I discover about myself and I discover about how the things that I think or I feel and, and the things that I've experienced in my life around trauma is like, what if I go there and I can't get myself through it. Yeah. And so it was easier for me to stay in the, like, you know, it was easier for me, even though I was miserable and I was also very suicidal and I, and I, you know, didn't want to live the way that I was living anymore. And, you know, it was just awful. And I don't have to tell you that, like, you know, just like being, being stuck in that cycle was so awful, but there was also a familiarity that I had to it because I was like, well, I, I can do this. Like I can sit, you know, as long as I'm still in here, it was like the, it's like a weird combination of, I can't do this anymore. I'm, I can't live like this anymore. And I'm also so familiar that it's just like, yeah. right. Like it's just yeah. it's this weird duality of like, yes. I can do this with my eyes closed and like whatever. And then also, um, I can't live like this anymore. Right. right. But staying in that place was easier for a long time. Um, it was easier than, than going deep and really giving myself the opportunity to, to explore all of mm-hmm. what, um, was, was under the surface, right. Under- all- yeah. All the roots of my wounds, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. not the surface stuff, not all the things I, not all the, the distractions, not all mm-hmm. of the, the behaviors, right. Cause all of those things are just the, the surface. So those are just like the symptoms of like what the actual problems are. And so mm-hmm. it's, I think though, like, you know, the same way 
you know, the same way getting sober in order to like work through your, your, um, traumas or the wounds or whatever is important because you got to like cut out the behaviors that are perpetuating problems and keeping you distracted. It's the same way as you got to like start working on those behaviors in order to get clarity. And that's what I think like, you know, confronting fears is it's so uh, empowering because when you confront the fear and the fear dissipates and you take your power back, you get clarity. And then when you have clarity, you can go inward. Mm -hmm. And it's just really interesting dance. I think that we, that we do um, in the process of, in the process of healing. Oh yeah. I think the healing process is so like the healing process, it's not supposed to be this glamorous, like amazing. I think there's like maybe a misconception maybe about that. And people think like, oh, I'm doing it wrong. Um, Cause I know I've, I've had that thought. Um, but healing is such a, it's messy. It's, it's, it's dark. It's scary. It's, but it's really digging deep into all of those um, restrictions that have been holding us down for such a long time. And, but there's in that healing comes so much more than, than, than that dark, than that dark, but it's, it's, it's a thick healing, I think. Yeah. It's where, what leads you to like freedom Mm-hmm. because yeah, that finish line yeah and that's something that I know the reason why I love shadow work right like the reason why like yeah I'm an empowerment coach but I'm gonna empower you through the shadow right like and and the right. reason why I'm not all love and light is because I think that that's a false sense of I think that's keeping us in the same toxic space it's keeping you know like yeah like I can sit here and be like you know yeah let's look at the bigger picture and like you know we can look at positives and like we can talk about gratitude right like all of those things are super important but again like I'm going to empower you through the shadow because like you have to walk through the depths of the darkness in order to fully get your power back right because like you weren't giving your power away to the light right like you are to like yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, like you were you you were you were stuck in a dark place and so like that doesn't just the healing like you said it doesn't just um happen overnight and it's not just like you know oh I'm gonna like meditate and eat good veggies and everything's gonna be great Great. you gotta go into like I don't I hate like because I feel like when people don't fully understand like what I mean with the light and the dark it's like yeah 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 it sounds woo woo, but it's more of like a, no, you gotta like you gotta talk about what hurts. You gotta, you gotta like really go into the places that you don't want to go into because as long as you avoid those things, you still give your power to them. Mm-hmm. And, and until you're really fully willing to have the conversations, the the vulnerable conversations, like uh, these are the nature of my thoughts, and I'm I I surrender. Like mm-hmm. I I'll do whatever it takes for me to like get better, even if that means exposing myself to my deepest darkest fears and then agreeing with the fact that these things could happen that's ultimate surrender totally right Mm -hmm. like that's walking into that's like yeah that's just I mean that's walking right into the 
the place that's been holding your power and like literally grabbing it back mm. and like, this is mine. <laughs> and uh, yeah, yeah. It back. yeah, it's, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's time that I have this back now. And I think that, you know, that is something that I think in, in a lot of ways um, is different for me in like my coaching versus like somebody else's maybe is because I'm like, no, like we're going to go there and you know, yeah. like I'll take you there. Totally. I know. <laughs> it's like, okay, but like, what if we actually get, what if we just gave ourselves permission to feel like crap? What if we actually just gave ourselves permission mm-hmm. to be afraid and to admit what's happening inside? What if we stop shaming that, you know, and yeah. let ourselves be human and yeah. You know, that's just, I think that's so much of, at least for what I see also in the OCD community is that when the people are really resistant to talking about them or doing the work, like, you know, diving into the ear mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And just, you know, um, like I, I know people who have like, will attend meetings for years, but never open up about the nature of their thoughts because they're mm-hmm. so unwilling to like, to, to it's not even just unwillingness because of anything that's wrong. It's just fear and it's shame. Right. But like they're, they're, they're holding on so tightly to trying Mm -hmm. to control or trying to suppress it. And it's like, you gotta let it go. You gotta let it go. Yeah. I think, and yeah, especially that control part that you just mentioned. Control, especially like, it just makes me think when I was, um, in treatment these last few months, I was struggling so much with the control of like my thoughts. Like I could not, I did not want to let them go. Like I wanted to, but like then if I knew if I let them go, like that's me releasing that and you know, just letting it go and like not um giving it letting there be uncertainty. And um I was just, yeah, I was fighting that control because, like, I wanted control. Who doesn't love control? And so, you know, I think definitely with with OCD and with people with OCD, it's yeah, it's yeah, it's giving up that control. It's giving up, and I think that shows how brave people with OCD are because they do. They have to give up control, certainty and feel all the feelings and do what they value anyway, despite what their OCD says, um, is such a big step in itself that I just want to like emphasize because obviously I just don't think it's fully, people don't fully see how big of a deal it is for people with OCD, especially with the nature of their thoughts, you know, especially with mine. just with this I just bring it up again because I just want because it's just I just want to emphasize just like I emphasize the intrusive thoughts of sexually intrusive thoughts especially is just um it's not it's 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 just something that's so um can bring just so much shame for people and I know for me it made me want to keep quiet it made me not want to it wanted to silence me in that shame and um and I just I want to talk about it more because I know for me in my situation I just felt I knew people had intrusive thoughts 
but I just felt like separated, even from people with OCD. I just felt separated in my own little bubble. And um, I think just with sexual intrusive thoughts, yeah, like I've said a million times, it's just, it's that added layer. It's that extra shame. It's just that a lot of extra (laughs) negative feelings that it brings up. And yeah, you, because it's not, who I am, but it's just so misconstrued inside myself that I just can't, I could not let it go. And I mean, I think too, like just to jump in super quick, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. The nature of intrusive thoughts, like we're not like, we're not obsessing about how awesome we are. We're not not obsessing about like, you know, how great, you know, we look in the, in the shoes that we just bought, or we're not obsessing about like how, you know, we're not obsessing about something positive. Right. And that's, that's the issue for anybody who doesn't really understand like what we're talking about when it comes to intrusive thoughts or OCD in general, OCD is a series of unwanted and repetitive thoughts that creating. Yes. I wanted to mention that. Yeah. So the series of unwanted and intrusive thoughts, right? Like, cause any, any OCD thought is, intru- is intrusive, right? Mm-hmm. No matter what the theme is, um, it's unwanted and repetitive thoughts that create a bunch of anxiety, right? Via obs- the obsessing yeah. that then result in a person, um, forming a compulsive behavior to find relief. So compulsive behaviors can look like avoidance. It could look like cleaning. I mean, the the trick with OCD um, in general is that anything can be an obsession and anything can be a compulsion. So mm-hmm. I can obsess, you know, literally about anything, right? And it may not fall into like a certain category that that is well known, but it's more about identifying the the thought process and the and then the behavior that follows because yeah, after the compulsive, the, the compulsion is performed or compulsions are performed, um, the person finds immediate relief. And then it's mm-hmm. followed by shame, guilt that then uh, eventually leads into being a tr- uh, being triggered again. And then the cycle yeah. continues. So it, really, it, just continues. it keeps you mm-hmm. in a hamster wheel, which is why OCD um, is known as a, as a very debilitating disorder. I mean, it's on like the... Yeah top five or 10 most debilitating, uh, disorders, um, or met, like, uh, health issues, I think on yeah. the world health organization or per the world yeah. health organization. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's something that it's, it's very challenging and complex to understand, which is why I personally don't get offended when people make comments that, um, that a lot of the community find triggering or find upsetting. Cause I'm like, truthfully, if I didn't have OCD, I wouldn't know this much about it. Right. Like right. somebody told me that, you know, if, if I was a friend of mine, you know, or somebody or, or just a friend of mine, uh, told me about harm OCD, like I may actually, and this is just being le- real. Like I, I would probably be afraid for them. I, or I would have some kind of concern, not necessarily a judgment because I think I would still have like the values that I have. And like, yeah, I still think I'd be like, okay, should I be concerned? Should I not be concerned? They're saying they don't want to act on these thoughts. And that's the thing, how, you know, um, the key component of knowing 
when something's OCD versus something that's not OCD is that, you know, when we have thoughts of, you know, and I'll just use my, my example, um, you know, when I had thoughts of like, Oh my God, what if I like was driving and I just drove my car into a wall or off a bridge or something that thought gave me so much anxiety that I, I stopped driving. And I, I asked my boyfriend at the time, this was 10 years ago, um, to stay with me. And at the time he didn't have a job because we were both not super, um, like we weren't contributing members of society for many reasons. I was unwell in other ways. Right. But like, um, you know, he stayed with me 24 seven and when he needed to go do something like, like there was like a a guard change. Like my mom would stay with me because I was so afraid that I would actually act on those thoughts. So it wasn't a desire to act on the thoughts. It was, I had such a, in, um, intense feeling of fear that I would actually do those things. Yeah. And so that's really an indication of like, if somebody wants to act on, on thoughts and even just, I can talk about like suicidality because I've worked in the field for nine years um, around suicidality, like somebody who is suicidal gets relief from fears of hurting themselves. They don't get they don't get triggered and like go into full panic about it. So that's really like the indication of like, for me, these weren't thoughts of suicide. These were or thoughts of hurting myself because I wanted to, they were, Oh my God, what if I did? What it, what if I actually did that? And like, really, when you look at the the core of that was I valued my life and I wanted to get better and I wanted to not suffer anymore. And I wanted to experience things and I was experiencing all of these thoughts. And so what OCD tends to do is grab onto the things that we care about. Because for me, OCD, I can, it can talk about germs. I don't really care about germs. Like I'm not a dirty person, but I don't like, I have a dog that sleeps in my bed and I like, you know, I grew up with a brother. I just don't like, like germs don't bother me. Right. But my, my life and my experiences and the people that I love those are the things that I value. So mm-hmm. lots of like, oh my God, what if I actually acted on those things? It it attached to what I cared about. I cared about yeah. experiences. I cared about if I did something like that, I would hurt my loved ones. Like my loved ones yeah. were destroyed if I ever did something to myself, right? And so mm-hmm. that's how fear hooked me. That's how it, it got its claws into me because it, it knew, and that's the thing, and I'll say this a million times, I feel like I'm super repetitive, but fear is a very charming, a very, um, smart, strategic, handsome man or woman, (laughs) whoever you're into, um, person, right? Like, you know, in in, in your style, right? Like in the style that you're most attracted to, like it knows exactly what to do to charm you and to, and to get you to question something or get you to avoid something. And the beautiful thing about fear, when you start to shift things is we shame fear so much, but fear is so purposeful. Mm -hmm. Fear is really just trying to, in its own wacko way, like trying to keep us safe, trying to keep us from avoiding risk. It's just that some of us have a little bit of like a super overprotective, um, you know, I would say it's like fears like a father figure almost, you know, like, you know how, like, I'm sure like you can maybe relate, like, you know, dads can be like worry warts about their totally. daughter. Yeah. That's how I picture my fear where like my, my dad just like, you can't like do this and you can't do that. And you can't do this and you can't like, you know, it's just like a super overprotective. Yeah. Thing. Like, you don't make any sense. Right. <laughs> you know? Just constantly wanting to fix. 
Exactly. Yeah. I would like fix and control and keep safe. And, and like, yeah. I have a dad who's a very like massive worry wart. Like mm-hmm. the things that I've heard him say and the things I've heard him like use as justifications for me not to go somewhere or do something or whatever have like made no sense. It's <laughs> like it's total dad logic. So yeah. I just think of fear like that, you know, just, mm-hmm. but like in a completely different realm. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, no, I think that's, um, yeah, it's just like that constant <laughs> there all the time. Yeah. Um, no, I think that's definitely, um, fear can be very, um, yeah, I feel like you learn a lot about yourself when you're, like we can just talk about all day like what yeah. we've learned you know uh, through through having fear um you gain a certain knowledge I think about yourself and I knew for me and my experience I've had um I mean I think yeah just through everything I've experienced I think fear definitely you learn so much about yourself and and others and just how to navigate through it and um it can be such a good teaching tool in that same way yeah yeah so I think it's yeah I really love that um because I think it's a different perspective it's a different way to look at fear as well because I think when you think of the word fear and stuff you like you think of intimate, like intimidating, or it's trying to scare you, or but like I feel like there's another way to also shift it and sit into more of a a teaching tool into a more better perspective of of yeah. that. Um, I think it's all about like you know shifting your mindset as well um, on certain on like what fear can actually what is it teaching me right now? I guess yeah, what becomes possible mm-hmm. when I confront my fear. Yeah. Like versus what am I risking? And it's like, and it's also on the flip side. It's like what becomes possible when, um, yeah, when I confront fear and then what am I risking by not going after the things that I want in my life and, and allowing fear to dictate it because we can, we can choose and there's no right or wrong, but we can choose to listen to our fear and we can choose to, and we know like both, and I'm sure a lot of other people can relate to like how small your world gets when you allow fear to dictate your choices. Like my, 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 my world became my room. Like for, you know, I was housebound for a full year. And then in the last like four, five months, I couldn't even leave my room. Like I would go to the bathroom and like run back to my room, you know, Mm -hmm. and all because of intrusive thoughts and all of that stuff. Right. And, and PTSD and, and other fun things, but like and I don't mean to say that in like a minimizing. No, no, no. I just yeah. have humor about my my journey because yeah, that's what I think. Me. When you get to a certain phase in your treatment journey, that's like <laughs> some of the, some of the best parts of it is like yeah. having humor in your story and oh, finding yeah. right in that. Oh yeah, my like one of my favorite things because I I there's an OCD support group, anxiety support group um, here near me that I've been going to since since treatment. And like, I don't go, um, super consistently anymore, but I go pretty often mostly to stay in touch with the community and then go offer support because there's not really things that come up for me now, but it's, I mean, obviously things, things do come up, but not very often now. Um, but 
we, my favorite thing to do sometimes is like to sit around with them and like, sometimes we'll go get coffee or food or something after. And we'll talk about like things that we used to do, like, you know, some of our compulsive behaviors that we do. And like, sometimes we're all of us are like laughing and like just tears streaming down because we're like, oh my gosh, this is so silly. Like, you know, Chris Johnson, who, um, we, we, oh, yeah. Yeah, we do the, um, the virtual support groups, um, which mm-hmm. is coming up on, uh, next Sunday, by the Ooh, way. Yes. Very exciting. Yeah. For anybody who hasn't <laughs> registered yet, but like Chris talks about this story where, because he had uh, a lot of contamination and like he was, he didn't want to go home because there was like some cross contamination, like, um, fears, whatever it may be. But like, he went and like washed himself at a car wash. <laughs> in oh, front- he did. Oh my gosh. In front of people. And like, people were like, Oh my gosh. Like, what do you do? But he had no shame. Cause like yeah. the whole, like the, the fear was superseding, you know, his, yeah. uh, his fear of being embarrassed. Right. But yeah, and, like, of course, like on one hand I look back and I'm like, Oh man, like I have so much compassion for like young me. And he's like, but now I think it's so funny that like, you know, but like I did that because like humor is so healing, but you have to get to yeah. the point, right? Like healing, yeah. humor isn't always helpful when you're like really in the, in the midst of things, but, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I share a lot of like, uh, a lot of stories about it and I just think it's, anyway, it's, it's helpful, but, um, uh, I totally lost my train of thought from before that. No, I know. I'm sorry. I, <laughs> I just, I just thought that was just important to emphasize. Just like when you do get a certain point, there yeah. is that light at the end of it. But um, yeah. I'm trying to remember what you were saying. Um, oh no, that's okay. I think I was gonna get to eventually. Like my end goal was to, um, of whatever I was saying was to ask you what I know. We talked about. Um, you really working through like self-trust right now. Yeah. Um, and so like, is there anything that you kind of want to emphasize on like what you're working on so people can kind of know like yeah. what, like the after, <laughs> what kind of after, 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 after is. Yeah. Not after yeah. treatment or whatever. You kind of just go on, um, kind of tell us a little bit about like what you're uh, maybe like the top like three things that you're really working on right now. Yeah, Indy always has to make an appearance. Yes, <laughs> we need that. Yeah, every <laughs> podcast she's got a she's got a bark in the background. Um, she's gotta have she's gotta have herself in there. Yeah, yeah. Like, I'm, I'm the real star here. Mom would be nothing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. Just um, a reminder. Yeah, yeah. And then um, and then if you could also um, maybe just tell you know, any, like what message you would have for anybody who's kind of a really, yeah, yeah. Like what message you would have to anybody who's really still struggling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I'll go with, go back to your first, um, question, which was, um, with Anna, I've been like, I don't know, has it been like a month now? Month? Yeah, it's been a month. A month. Um, and I had just finished, I, yeah, I finished treatment in February and then I started working with Anna and kind of our big, um, root, I guess, of me, of what I'm kind of working on now is, um, because OCD took so much of my time and now it's kind of shifting into doing things that I've put off for so long. Um, so, which is, I've been really learning how to trust myself. And um, kind of go inward and um, 
really learn just how to be okay with myself and, and, and relying on, relying on me and not relying on, um, others and, and to make me feel complete. Um, and so I think part of that, uh, work I've been doing with Anna has also been, um, starting to kind of work on things that I've been wanting to do for a long time. So that has to do with writing. Um, I've been, I signed up for a writing class and, um, and kind of starting to like really go after like goals that I've had. And I remember telling Anna when we were first starting, I was like, now this feels really real. Like now I feel like I really got it too, you know, I can't put this off anymore. (laughs) Um, and so I think just again, yeah, just really learning how to, um, um, I think there's, there's just so much in that word, like self-trust that like, it's just so much, um, so much work I think to do but it's such meaningful work and it's such valuable so valuable um and it's just I think it's something that I'm gonna constantly be working on I don't think there's like a finish line I think it's something that's always going to be um a constant thing for me to do and Anna's just been really helping me um kind of just pay more attention to that and um and to really just focus on myself and not um because I think for a long time I I am a people pleaser and I love people I'm a huge empathetic person but I do forget about myself and working with Anna has been wonderful in the sense of me kind of for the first time in a really long time putting myself first and my needs first and um just using my voice and um that's kind of been the emphasis of like I think this whole (laughs) this whole um experience with you and um so I think hope that answers that first question um but what was your second question again and then uh your my second question was what what would your message be to anyone who's struggling right now? Um, my message would be um, that I know, and I always say this, I know it's so hard to see the light at the end of the tunnel right now. And it feels like it's never going to get better, but I promise it does. It's just doing the work. And it's, I'm not saying it's going to be fun. You don't have to like it. You don't feel any emotion you want, but just keep taking that one step every single day and just don't look at the big picture so much, especially in the beginning, you know, of treatment. Cause I think that makes you put, I know I did that. So I think just taking it day by day, one day at a time, not the full picture because it just, it's too overwhelming and um and just realizing especially with people that have um intrusive thoughts um or sexually intrusive thoughts or just OCD in general that um there is help and um there are people out there that do understand and to just really 
surrender and just not hold on it, hold on to that OCD monster anymore and just let it go and just really dive into your treatment and um and just love yourself through it and just know that your thoughts aren't you um and that you're more than your thoughts and your OCD I think that those would be my really big main ones that you're more than that so yeah yeah give me goosebumps for sure because I think you know we we do we do tend to identify as, as our diagnosis, right? Like when we're given like the labels, I think that the, the diagnosis really serve us in helping us understand what we're experiencing. And then it helps us like, you know, it's like if we have a diagnosis, then we can kind of look at like, okay, this is what I'm dealing with. I can, you know, learn how to tackle this. And then, you know, in the midst of that, sometimes I think it can be really easy to, to then have like another, uh, challenge in in letting go of the identity because for a lot of us it's like what we knew for so long and I know for me like I really struggled to to not identify with the diagnosis and to you know to still be able to be connected to my my um, community and still be able to tap into the experiences so that I stay grounded in the work that I feel like I'm here to do and um, and grounded in my understanding of like other people's experiences. Right. But then also understand that like the diagnosis and the choices I made and the time that I felt like I wasted and all of those things and the nature of my thoughts, like those things didn't define me, but my Mm -hmm. experiences around all of that did serve as a catalyst for where I am today. And I think that that's like, that's the shift, right? Like that's the difference um, that becomes really important is is being an advocate and standing up for, for the community. Right. And, and like what you said, like, you know, showing people that they're, um, that they're not alone. That's why we speak out. Right. That's why we're doing this, right. To share our experiences to say like, Hey, you know, you're not alone that like, you know, even if you don't have OCD necessarily, and you can't relate to the exact details of what we're saying, there's going to be something in this po- in this conversation that you're going to be able to grab onto and be like, wow, like I, I relate to that. And then that's how we create more connection between yeah. humans, which is so important period. But especially right now where we are social distancing and, right. you know, um, yeah. So, I mean, I, I love, your whole message. And I'm so grateful that you came on and opened up and I'm really, really excited for people to hear your story because, and I've told you this a million times, your story is so important and people need to hear, and this goes for everybody, but you know, I've said this to you a million times is like, people need to hear your story and people need to hear your story exactly as you've experienced it. And Mm -hmm. Um, and it's so important because somebody can hear my story around OCD, right. And not really be able to relate, but then hear yours and feel less alone that they've, than they've ever felt. And that's the power of vulnerability. And that's the power of, of, um, of human connection that we have the ability to create. Yeah, no, I thank you so much. And I'm just so grateful. I get to share this time with you and um to just to be able to connect and share and um I think yeah especially now more than ever that's what we need and um oh I also wanted to give if anybody wants to read it I do write a blog I'm gonna ask you about that (laughs) (laughs) 
Great minds think alike. Yeah. Um, so it's, I'll give the link. It's um, www.livingalifewithocd.wordpress.com. So um, I'll, put the, the, I'll put it in the, um, in in the, the notes too. Yeah. Okay. In the notes. So I'll write it out, but um, okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. But yeah, if anybody wants to read it, no pressure. <laughs> no, but if I mean, it's definitely worth the the read because you're an amazing writer and you're so you. raw and so vulnerable in your post, and it's just it's so important. And I and I tell you this all the time because you know I'm like waiting for you to write your book and like I know I know <laughs> for you to like you know keep doing more and more advocacy advocacy work and not because like I think that it's something that we are obligated to do right but like I think yeah. that like when you're somebody who's gone through like this and then you feel that inner call to to do that work and to share your story even if it's not like the main thing that you do right like even yeah. if it's not, like a career that you make out of it even if it's just something you do on this whatever it is even if it's just you know going to virtual meetings once a month, like whatever it means, anything is so important and so needed. And, um, and, and it should always come from a place of, um, of wanting to make a difference, not, you know, obligation. Cause there are a lot of people who just want to like heal and like go through like their treatments and stuff. And then they never want to talk about mental health again. And that's totally fine and valid. Right. Yeah. Um, but that's not everybody's experience. Some of us are yeah. like, oh man, I just got through this. I'm so kind of shocked that I survived. Right? <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. I think, yeah. It's, yeah. it's, I think it's definitely, um, helping others has always been, and I think especially now and with the OCD community as well, I think it definitely helps me in my recovery, um, to help others and to talk about it. Cause I think even, with people that are advocates, I think it helps them just as much as it helps people that need it, you know? Um, so I think it's just really healing, you know? Um, I think it is for me and, um, yeah, I think it's just a really beautiful thing. And, um, you know, you can see the most ugliest part, but you can see the most beautiful part and, um, you know, you can't, you gotta have both. So I think it's, um, super important, but thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. <laughs> I, I love that you said you got to have both. You got to have both. Like life yeah. is, is a combination of, of both. And I think life is the dance between the two, the good, the mm-hmm. bad, the scary, like, you know, it's like, there's like two categories, but then there's so many different like emotions and experiences that are in each of those two categories, you know, and you just like weave in and out of, of all of them, um, and just do the best that you can, but yeah. Totally. Yeah. Totally. I think I'll end. I'll just wanted to read this to you really quick. Yeah. Cause it was a quote that I've always used, especially in treatment and stuff. Um, so I'll read it. Uh, I don't pay attention. To, oh, I need to fix that. <laughs> I don't I don't pay attention to the world ending. It, it has ended for me many times and began again in the morning. I think I posted that recently too. I think maybe oh, I posted too? it from you. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Yay. <laughs> but um I just wanted to leave that for everybody that 
you know, there's always a new day the next day, so. We can always try again. Right, yeah. There's never, no timeline. Yeah. So, and everybody's on pace. But thank you so much, Anna. Thank you, Emily. Thank <laughs> you.